0: I am Emily Lyons. In 2009, without a high school degree and no money to my name, I decided to start my own business. But since then, I've built several multi-million dollar companies and I don't plan on stopping. Being a businesswoman, CEO, serial entrepreneur, survivor, and general life enthusiast, I'm endlessly jazzed by the business of life, especially the stories of extraordinary people I've had the privilege to meet along my own improbable journey to success. I don't think it's fair to keep that privilege to myself and I think you deserve to be lifted and shifted by these people too. After all, all inspiring people are inspired people. So get ready to be inspired. This is Mind Your Business. The following is a recent recording that we did for our Lions Den community with guest expert, Bobby Del Rio. If you wanna see the full video with Bobby, you can head on over to jointhelionsden.com. Not only that, but you can see all of our previous guest experts from the past year. So head on over to jointhelionsden.com. Oh, Bobby. Well, while we kick things off, first of all, I mean, I'm pretty sure that the majority of everybody in here knows who you are and <laughs> they've probably heard you on Clubhouse or seen you somewhere. But if you could introduce yourself, that would be fantastic.
1: Wow.
2: Okay. I'm Bobby Del Rio. I created Zoom. So <laughs> um, everything you could possibly want to know about Zoom. So I'm the guy to ask, yeah, I know nothing. My name is Bobby Del Rio. I'm an actor. Writer, now television host, oddly enough. I've been in the film and television industry for about 25 years, which is like crazy because I realized I look 13, especially I look at myself right now. It's very awkward. But yeah, no, I, I met Emily on Clubhouse. And then I'm here in Toronto, Canada. And then I got, I guess, kind of international from there. So I started to build momentum in Hollywood. I'm wrapped in Hollywood now and I have my own TV show about crypto. And Web3 and all that stuff called the Daily Drop.
0: Now, your show is actually really incredible, The Daily Drop. It is oh. a full show. Like, if people check it out, it's not like this little YouTube show. It's you've got the set, you've got the crew, you've got all that. And it's really interesting kind of how it came to be. Because you really leverage social media to be able to get that show. That's how they found it out about you, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, it helped me in so many different ways, you know. Like, part, yes, obviously the attention... You know, I I mean, I was interviewed a lot before Clubhouse, but after Clubhouse, I was interviewed like 50 times in a year. And I was like national news in Canada. And I was on, you know, like one of the biggest morning shows on television. Toronto Life did a big article about me. Like, Like if you were following, you know, sort of Toronto media personalities or whatever, like I was probably at the top of the list. Right. So it just got me on the radar with many, many, many people. But also Clubhouse taught me things, you know, like. It taught me what an NFT was. You know, it taught me what crypto was. I didn't know any of that stuff.
1: That's
0: so funny. So you didn't know any of that even going in and now you host a show about it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, it's funny because I remember it was very recently too. It was like maybe last year at this time, I was in a clubhouse room and I kept hearing about NFTs, NFTs and I didn't know what the hell they were. I was like, what the hell is an NFT? And then this guy, Patrick Murphy, told me and he had a good answer. And then we like DMs and then... I was like, oh, okay, this guy's really cool. And then we kind of became buddies and then we ended up becoming business partners. But it's funny because I learned what an NFT was in that room. And then from there, I've just learned so much in the last year.
0: Incredible. Now... When you say you've got all all that media from being on Clubhouse, what was the media about? And why do you think, how did you attract it to you? How did you get all that? Because there's so much noise on social media. We all have social media. pages. So what do you think was different about you that attracted people to you? Was there stuff that you did? Or walk us through that.
2: Yeah, sure. Look, I think it was a combination, like anything. I do think that the number one thing that I did that I guess other people don't do, my sense is I don't really know what other people do, but just from what I look at as an observer is that I didn't really have anything to prove, right? I wasn't like selling anything. I didn't really care if anybody thought (laughs) like I mattered in life because I had a really long career and I was already pretty successful in Canada, So I didn't really, didn't really matter. And what I noticed is that there's so many people who are trying to sort of pretend to be something that they're not. And I would just kind of like, to be honest, not like start rooms with people, but I would kind of call them out a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, that's not true. Because especially in the film space, you have all these people who would like claim to like run Hollywood, who'd never made a film. And I was like, oh, well then why don't you have any IMDb credits? Oh, that's not actually what post-production workflow. work for. Oh, I don't. Like it was just, it was very clear that I am who I say I am and I have an incredible body of work, a large amount of experience. And I don't think that you can fake that. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something about that authenticity and then, you know, like whatever personality things and whatever, you know, I have a real career. And when there's people, I think, who don't have real careers, you stand out. But I do think the number one thing was authenticity. Like I was always myself. I never lied one time. Mm
0: -hmm. And so you had people that liked you and then other people that didn't like you, that you were able to... (laughs) 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 And that's what, you know, building a good personal brand is all about being that authentic person. That's just who you are. And showing up all aspects of you, whether people like you or not. Right. Another thing that I saw that you did that was really powerful was, first of all, you were consistent. You showed up day in and day out. You showed up days when you retired, but you had a room scheduled. And you made it all about providing value and being funny. You know, you gave tips, you gave strategies, you answered questions, but you were still your quirky self all along the way. So I think that kind of all culminated to become the Bobby that we love. And that, to me, is why I think so many people gravitated towards you, including the media.
2: Yeah, I mean, again, like, I think, like, I know authenticity is such a buzzword, but I wasn't, like, trying to be authentic. I remember, I think it was in our room on Saturdays where I said, oh, I guess now that authenticity is a social media trend, everybody's going to fake authenticity. (laughs) Uh, You know, like, I think people crave... Whatever. I'm not like, like the most important person in the world, but I think people crave like the real deal. Like I am who I say I am. Do you yeah, know what I mean? 100%. And especially in the film business, which oh. I think was part of it too, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I had just got a distribution deal for a feature of film that I had written and directed. And like, you could watch it. Like go to Amazon, there it is, you know? And most people didn't have that. Most people would have no credits or they made a short that nobody watched and pretended that it was an Oscar winning. Like, I think that there's, I don't know, we're a culture of liars Mm -hmm. and people are sick of it. Mm -hmm. And I think someone who's not lying, who I think is personable and professional enough to show up, as you say, and to just really give you everything who that person is, that's me. I think that becomes attractive in a world of liars.
0: Yeah, I mean, consumer distrust is at an all-time high and us on social media we distrust people because anybody, like you said, will show up and say, this is who they are. This is what they've done. But do they actually have the credits, the stuff behind their name to back it up? And so somebody starting out, they can be whoever they are, whoever they want to be, just make sure that it's honest. So if you are starting out and you are an actor, it's really important that you share that part of your journey and that struggle. And like you said, people gravitate towards that. Okay. I wanted to ask you now because a lot of the people that are in the den, they're entrepreneurs, or they are you know they're self-employed in some capacity and they're looking to grow on social media. That's one of the biggest things that we talk about. So, what would you say to somebody that is looking to start right now to build their own success?
2: I think social media obviously matters, right? Like if I was just sitting in a bus shelter for the last two years, like <laughs> none no, of no, no, this happens for me, I'm right? to
0: death too. I mean, yeah Canada. So,
2: you know, kind of. so you definitely need to use the tools and use them, I think effectively, but mm-hmm. the starting point, which I think a lot of people screw up even now, like I'm sure that you know just like I me, mean, you see the migration of all the people from clubhouse to Twitter mm-hmm. and you know, kind of Clubhouse, I think year over year is down 84% in terms of new downloads of the app, right? Wow. So it's a dying platform. And so people are going to Twitter and especially people who were super relevant on Clubhouse and they're like, oh, like, let me be super relevant on Twitter, but they're kind of just offering nothing. And so I get it. Like, for example, you, Emily Lines, right? Also the real deal, also authentic, also very successful, right? You are who you say you are. Your story is very real. It's Painful, it's powerful, but it motivates the decisions that you've made. And so your brand is really just who you are. You're just like full of passion, inspiration, entrepreneurship. And that comes across all the time. It doesn't matter where you are. There's a new platform. It doesn't matter. That'll always come across because that's who you are, right? Whereas other people, I think, are kind of looking at like you or me or whatever, like people who have sort of had this social media rise. And they're like, oh, I'll just copy them. And I'll just say random motivational yeah. things. I'll just oh, if I say we all got this, and they're but they're just lying, right? Like especially, it's infuriating to me as somebody who works now in the crypto space in Web three that you have all these people who are like, we're all gonna make it to the moon, crypto, all this like feigned enthusiasm, and I'm like, okay, cool. So you're saying this after the biggest crypto disaster in the history of cryptocurrency, where billions of dollars are missing right? Millions of people have lost all this money. You're not acknowledging that. And you're still trying to sell them NFTs. Mm -hmm. Shame on you. And that comes across.
0: Mm -hmm. In that space, I found social media to be particularly dangerous because there are a lot of people claiming to be things to get your money, to get you to buy their NFTs. And so not only is it important to be authentic for people to connect with you and to build your brand and build whatever it is you're doing. But just, I mean, when it gets to people making money, I think, you know, we talked about this, it's going to change, you know, if you're showing up and you're making money in a dishonest way, I think people are going to start getting penalized for
1: that a lot more. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, that was the episode we did when you came on my show. Yeah. It's very real because there's class action lawsuits against people as there should be because you have people who Are fully lying and look now that I have really high level knowledge of the space because I interview world experts every single week, right? And uh, you know I work hard and smart. I have an economics background, right? So I do my work, I do my research, and I catch people lying all the time. I catch people lying on my show, you know.
1: Wow. Uh,
2: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I call them out. Now I'm not a dick about it, but like if you say something that's not
1: true,
2: I'll say, "Hmm, that's not true." Right. Like even I don't want to call the guy out because I think he wasn't being manipulative, but I did an episode on DAOs recently that hasn't aired yet. So mm-hmm. Inside scoop for the Dead that's gonna air in like, I don't know, a few weeks or something. And he's describing his DAO and then walking the audience through what a DAO is. And for anyone who doesn't know, a DAO is essentially like a business where everyone is an equal shareholder, right? It stands for decentralized autonomous organization. And it's really kind of like a business where nobody's in charge and everybody's in charge, right? And so there's sort of different structures, but it's kind of based on the amount of tokens that you hold, right? But there's different structures to avoid people from being able to buy voting power, right? Because let's say there's a DAO and it's, there's like, I don't know, a billion dollars in the treasury and you own the majority of the votes. You could just be like, Hey, let's have a vote where I get all the money. <laughs> right. But, and then saying it as a joke, and yet it's true in it various ways. Right. And there's nothing you could do because that's the rule. And so this guy, he like starts to talk about the DAO. He's like, oh, yeah, it's like every vote, every dollar that you spend gets you a vote. Like every token, you know, gets you a vote. And then the more tokens, the more votes. And I was like, so that means then you can buy voting power. And he's like, oh, well, nobody would do that. I was like, oh, you don't think? Right after FTX, where like one of the biggest exchanges in the world oh, wow. you know, like stole billions of dollars from people. You don't think in that climate, maybe we should be a little more prudent? they like, no, <laughs>
1: it's fine. <laughs> you know?
2: But I do think, like going back to social media, that this is just my personality. I mean, you know I me, mean, this is who I am, right? Yeah. And I think that especially in the sort of social media, crypto worlds. Hollywood is like that, where it's just full of liars. Maybe it's every industry, but it's egregious in the industries that I work in. It's very, very clear that I am not lying to you because I say too many polarizing, unpopular things to be lying. And I think that people trust me because of that. Because if I think that you're trying to sell me a terrible NFT and you're stealing money from people's pockets, I will tell you. And I don't care about the consequences.
0: Now, like I've seen you disagree with people on Clubhouse. I've seen you get into fights with people many times. A lot of people hate that confrontation. They hate the trolls, the negative comments. And I've heard that from a lot of people. That's why they don't show up on social media. You know, they're afraid to get on new platforms. They're afraid to host Clubhouse rooms. How do you deal with that? I mean, does it ever bother you?
2: Okay. Oh, we're getting deep. Jeez. So- <laughs> Look, I came from a low-income neighborhood in Canada. I came from one of the poorest neighborhoods in Canada. I came from a neighborhood that the Globe and Mail or the Toronto Star, I don't remember what the hell, like 10 years ago, there was an article called the most violent neighborhood in Canada. Who was it? It was like Keelan Eglinton. It oh, okay. was like West End, Toronto. Yep. And, you know, there were something like, I don't know, 15 teenage boys killed in a short amount of time, like where I grew up. It's like, oh, that's where I went to high school. That's where I went to grade school. That's where I, like, that's where I grew up, right? So... It matters because, like, I'm not scared of anybody. You know what I mean? You can't grow up in an area like that and be scared because, like, you literally, you'll just get beaten up, right? You could get stabbed, you get killed, you get like anything you could imagine. That's how it grew up, right? So, do you think I care if somebody unfollows me? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, so for me, the reason that I call out the liars and the scammers. It's not that I necessarily enjoy that because, you know, I try to be a good person. You know what I mean? Like I'm a community guy. Like I support the marginalized. That's who I am. But if you don't call them out, they steal people's money. They take advantage of people, right? There've been like sexual predators on Clubhouse. There've been all these people who are racist on Clubhouse. They're misogynists. There are all these people who do very, very bad things. And I think that if you're afraid to, I don't know, come across as a dick or whatever the fear is it's like oh i want people to think i'm a nice guy and i can't just like be mean to this person who's stealing thirty thousand dollars from old ladies on clubhouse i'm like no no no, 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 no 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 i'm sorry at a certain point we need adults in the room we need leaders to step up and be like it is not okay what you're doing because there's a lot of people stealing from other people hurting other people and partly we enable them because we do not confront them and for me i've always been a protector of the community and i will fight you right even if it's not a physical fight i mean i'll physically fight you too right? i'm jack <laughs> like dude you know? but
1: I was certainly right
2: certainly in a social media context where all i have to do is be like you're lying to prevent you from stealing money from people in that social audio room mm-hmm. i will say it and i think that we have a responsibility to do that
0: mm-hmm. One of the things you said is that, you know, you're a good person and you know that what you're doing is coming from a good place. And I think that that is really important when we're showing up on social media, when we're building a business, when we're selling anything, it's that we're authentically, honestly wanting to help people that we're doing it from a good place. And then when we get that feedback, when we get those trolls, when we have that confrontation, we know, okay, I'm doing this from a good place. So if they don't like me, that's fine. I'm not going to be for everybody. And you're not going to be for everybody. And, you know, there's that saying, you can be the juiciest peach in the world, but there's going to be somebody that hates peaches. So keeping that in mind and just showing up with that. <laughs>
2: that, <I> think, <laughs> like, Pick that in what you just said. You can be the juiciest peach in the world, but somebody is going to hate peaches. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's true. Emily live Absolutely
0: Wilson. true. Even Serious. this morning, I got a message on social media and it just said, you're lame. You know?
1: Oh, oh I'll take it, it
0: back. It happened. But... You just don't let it ruin your day and you keep showing up. Now, another thing that you mentioned was the fall of Clubhouse and how the platforms are always changing. So how do you stay relevant? How does somebody know where they should be spending all of their time? Where they should be showing up? Where they're going to get the biggest bang for their buck, so to speak? Yeah,
2: yeah. Okay. It's interesting because at least long-winded answers, but we're here for 90 minutes, so maybe it's good. <laughs> so I've been in the film and television industry since the 90s, right? Like literally, I think I worked for HBO in 1999 as an actor. I started my career with the television crew following me around as an undergraduate student at the University of Toronto for a 30-minute documentary about me on Bravo. As a student, okay? It was weird. And now it's like, oh, everybody has reality show. Not at that time, they didn't, Mm -hmm. right? So I have a very large body of work, partly because I started young, And so I can contextualize things. So this is relevant because when it came to Clubhouse, all these people call me famous, which to me is a bit absurd right? Because like, I'm in the industry where like Tom Cruise and Scarlett Johansson exist, like they're famous, you know what I mean? And I was like, why are they saying this? Why are they saying this? I'm famous, I'm famous, I'm famous. And it's like, oh, because I guess in the context of Clubhouse, I I am famous, I guess in that sort of purview, right? My follower count, like who I know, whatever, all the things. Okay. But then it was funny because, you know, I would go to like Twitter and where I had, you know, 4,000 followers. I was like, oh, I guess I'm not famous anymore. (laughs) It's like, Oh, I guess I'm famous on Clubhouse. I'm not famous here. Am I kind of famous on Instagram? Like, I don't, you know. Mm -hmm. And what I realized is that everything is contextual in a very complex media landscape, right? So I think that there should be a phrase called contextually famous. And so I actually approach every social media platform as its own world, as its own ecosystem. And I actually look at them as different businesses. And so obviously for me, now I've got my show. And so I'll identify the platforms that I think makes the most sense for me to be active on to promote show, right? And like Twitter for news is the most important platform, especially mm-hmm. for crypto. Mm-hmm. And so I, I mean, I'm sure you, you know, you've you seen what I've done, but I fully pivoted what I did on Twitter. I didn't really do anything on Twitter. You know, I've had an account since 2009. I was a sports writer for a couple of years. So what people may not know about me, too, I was one of the top fantasy basketball writers in the world, which is a weird thing.
1: Very Um, strange. (laughs)
2: Very strange. But I was, like Yahoo was publishing me. So maybe 10 years ago, if you went to my Twitter account, you would have found a lot of articles about basketball, because I was writing about basketball at the highest level. Mm -hmm. And so now it's 10 years later, it's the same account. But now if you go to my Twitter, you'll find observations about crypto and Web3 and blockchain, a bit tech, finance, everything that's sort of relevant to my show because I've pivoted, right? Because that is now a tool where I can learn and I can educate and I can promote within a very particular context. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you go to my LinkedIn, it'll just be professional. I will just link, here's the episode and I'll leave. I'll change the way I describe, not that I, I'm like changing the episode, but I'm changing the appeals of the episode to a more corporate professional audience, mm-hmm. right? Instagram obviously is more visual. It's going to be more things where the image is the central focus of the narrative. My Facebook, which people, you know, they kind of shit on Facebook, but Facebook is still relevant. That's more personal, intimate. Like, I think that it's important to use social media platforms, mm-hmm. but to view each of them as its own ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And you can't just do the same thing in every ecosystem. It's kind of like, it's like a bit of a debate, right? Because there's certain people who will become different people in different contexts and everybody hates those people, right? You know, <laughs> it would be like like the douchey white stockbroker dude who like, I don't know, he hangs out in the hood, but he's like, hey guys, yeah, what's up? You, know, you, just, you hate that person, right? But there's a difference between changing who you are and, you know, like, If you're sort of like a middle-class person, but you go to a country club, like you put on your blazer, Mm -hmm. right? So there's a balance between remaining authentic, but still taking in the context and sort of dressing appropriately for the occasion. So that's how I view social media. It's kind of the same idea.
0: So taking time to figure out what you want to do for each person. So what are your targets with showing up on social media? For you, it's to promote your show. So where does your target audience live? Where are you going to get the most bang for your buck? And then still showing up on the other platforms, but in a way that is specific to those platforms. And another thing you said was that you got really big on Clubhouse, but you weren't that well-known on Twitter or Instagram. And so I think that's really important because we spend so much time on one platform we want to make sure that we're stretching a lot of those people to other platforms. So we want to make sure that we are cross promoting and ultimately into something that we own, like your show, you know, you're getting viewers on your show or into your email database or whatever that is so that you ultimately own that data, that community. So that now that we see Clubhouse tagging, if you've spent so much time building a community on there, which I think we all have, a lot of us have if we're not taking that community elsewhere, then we're kind of losing touch with them. And a lot of them have already left. So we want to make sure that wherever we are, we're doing that consistently and also keeping track of things. You know, I love to to look at the analytics, see what's bringing in the most engagement. And I found surprisingly that most recently, it's really LinkedIn. And I love how the LinkedIn algorithm works. How when somebody interacts with your content, that their audience sees it and that you can schedule things over there. So I've got posts scheduled out like for the next week and a half. So it just goes up automatically, things like that to make it really easy.
2: I was going to say, too, what's interesting about you and it's relevant to this conversation is that you have a following on every platform, right? And for me, it's very suspicious, you know, and like I have a following on every platform as well, but not like you're, you're like, I mean, you're like a guru. I'm
0: not you know? Twitter. I'm new on Twitter. Really know
2: yeah, it. but you can see and you but you're growing very fast, right? But also, like, I've been on these platforms, you know, in some cases for 15 years, right? And so, you know, obviously, some platforms are bigger than others, but I have a presence on all the dominant platforms, right? And, you know, like, people are starting, oh, and they have, like, 100 Twitter followers. It's like, well, I have over 4,000 Twitter followers, really, which for a platform I really use, right? And you'll see that if I go to different... If you follow me across different platforms, it's like, oh, like, there's people following this guy, all these different places, because I have a real career, right? As you do. And so for me, the reason I say that is, for me, it's very suspicious where someone I've never heard of will have like, I don't know, 50,000 Instagram followers. Mm -hmm. And then they'll have, you know, 300 friends on Facebook or something. Or, you know, and they've been there for a long time. And you start to realize, oh, like you're being adjudicated based on your balance in the entire social media ecosystem. And if you lie right? Because how many people lie? How many people are just buying followers on one of these platforms? But no one cares about you elsewhere. And there's no paper trail. You have no... If you like Google you, nothing comes up. Then I don't believe you're one platform.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we
2: I think it's important to think about the broader context of the larger yeah. landscape around you.
0: Well, people, I think, get frustrated a lot of the time. And sometimes when they buy the followers or they really want to appear like this big successful person. And they think buying those followers is going to do that for them. And they're really missing out on the target of social media and growing authentically and the time that it takes and putting in the work and tracking what works and doubling down on that. But yeah, for the most part, you can tell when somebody's, of course, purchased followers.
2: Right. But what's that about? It's exactly what we started talking about. They're lying. It's such a simple observation, but you're lying.
0: And then you're being dishonest there. Where else are you being dishonest? That's right. And... You know, again, going back to what's your target with social media, because if your target is to build a community, to build a business, if you're talking to bots, if you're talking to fake accounts, how are you gonna do that? Mm-hmm. If you're not talking to anybody, like if your target is to have a page where you look like a notable figure, well, then that might be beneficial. If that's all it is, is somebody just gonna see it and in, in passing, whatever, maybe that's beneficial. But for the most part, yeah, you're absolutely right. Is
1: uh, absolutely has
2: to be authentic especially like for me I, i'm in the film industry where it's very easy to like vet people when you have as much experience as i do like literally three questions i can ask you and i'll know i don't know 80 percent of your career be like you know what's your imdb handle who's your agent mm-hmm. what's the last project you did right and the answers to those three questions i will vet you in eight seconds it's very funny how there's especially on Clubhouse, but it's not just Clubhouse. It's everywhere. There's a lot of people pretending that they're famous already and they have two credits on IMDb. And I'm like, you know, I spent my 20s in theater mostly and I still have 62 credits on IMDb. Hmm. So how are you older than me and you have two?
0: Maybe because they feel the pressure to have that success, to have those followers, to measure up. Hmm. They feel the need to kind of inflate it a bit (laughs) or a lot.
2: Career, like that's the thing, right? Look, what's cool about the film industry, and I'm sure it's it's every business, is that you can start at any point. Yeah. There's no rule that you have, you know, but you are where you are, you know? Like some people think I'm a huge deal. And for some people, I'm really just starting. For some people, I'm the old guy who was relevant in the 90s, you know? It doesn't, (laughs) it's like you have your career. That's where you are. The social media tools will amplify where you are, but you can't pretend that you're bigger than you are.
0: Well, you know, that's the thing is that it's really difficult to stand out on social media. It's very hard because it is so saturated, especially on places like Instagram. How do you stand out? How do you differentiate yourself from other people?
2: Yeah, I'll be honest. Like, I don't really think about other people, you know, like I pay attention. But yeah. ultimately, like, what am I going to do? Right. I'll be like, oh, like, I should have a Bob Man den. That'll be the way to...
1: <laughs> Bob Manden. <Yeah. laughs>
2: So I just I keep things very simple, right? Yeah. Like even my show, right? I'm new to the space, but I've learned so much. And I was like right away, I, I was like, I said, "There's two things that I'm going to focus on, and that's it. That's all I'm going to do. I'm going to look as good as I can. I'm going go to the gym, <laughs> right? I'm going to up the best clothes for the brand I think work. Mm-hmm. I'm going to cut my hair and bathe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, thank
2: you. You're welcome. And I'm going to learn as much as I can right? Because I interview world experts. There's no way that I'm going to know more than 80% of my guests. Okay. Yeah. And if I do know more than 80% of my guests, I have the wrong guests. Yeah. Okay. Because I'm new to space and I'm here to learn. So let me just keep it simple. And if I focus on those two things, everything else will work. Love that.
1: Love
0: that. Now, how do you find consistency? You know, how is there something that you do? Do you use anything like Hootsuite or do you plan your content out ahead of time or you just kind of post when you feel like it?
2: Yes. So I'm definitely like new to like talking about social media in a sort of like professional context. Organic for you. Yeah. Because I find that partly because I've been an actor for so long and a writer and all these things. I have reinvented myself or pivoted 175 times, right? <laughs> and so I stay open because I know that if you do not pay attention to the technology and the trends and all the things, you're dead. And I roll with the punches better than anyone, maybe, because I've been around for so long. The film industry is so competitive, especially a creative. And I really succeeded quite a lot for a quarter of a century. And it's because I'm willing to burn everything down in a second and start again all the time. And that led to things like I was one of the first actors in all of Canada to have his own website. And I got made fun of mercilessly. People would call me bobbydelrio.com, and, you know.
1: <laughs>
2: but it, you know many times I would have a meeting with somebody that would show up early and caught them perusing my website.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: People were like jealous and confused and like enamored. Like people were like, he has his own website. There's like my buddy from university did it for me for like $10. But at the time, it was like, right.
1: hey. just, yeah, nobody you know. websites.
2: So I'm like, I'm going to try it, right? Clubhouse, right? Like there's people in Canada at my level of experience or higher who didn't lean into Clubhouse. Well, right. you lost out on a big opportunity. Now I have a really large international media presence, Hollywood network. Now I got my own show. What's that going to lead to? Because you didn't put the time in to learn the new technology, to learn this new trend that was only there for about a year and a half, Mm -hmm. right? People are afraid, they
0: they wait to jump in. They don't think that their following is going to be there, their community is going to be there. And so they don't. And that's, you know, you got to try any social media platform. Just try it. Keep going and see. You never know.
2: That's right. So I think you're always having to tweak and experiment and reinvent and adjust and be willing to burn it down. Like, look, Clubhouse is still there. But again, 84% reduction in new downloads of the app year over year, right? Like, that's a big deal, right? It's the new MySpace.
1: Yeah.
2: Which is fine, but you have to see that. And for me, it's kind of sad to see there's a few people who... It's like they don't want to accept that. And so they're holding on to their relevance with Clubhouse. Because once Clubhouse is dead... They have nothing else to offer because they're not reinventing themselves across platforms. Right. They haven't turned it into anything. It's like they're trying to hold on to this thing that's still there. And it's like, that's cool that you had the best VCR shop on the block, but we're streaming now. Yeah,
0: we're streaming now. (laughs) I think that's why it's really important. We know why we're on social media. We know why we're showing up because we saw that too with Clubhouse where people were showing up and they didn't know what they wanted to do a lot of them and so they put all this time into it but when you've got a target that you're working towards and it could just be hey i want to build my community i want to build my following i want to build my presence my visibility but so you know and, and then you're being open like you said to pivoting Like you have again and again and again when something's not working changing it up And if you're not growing on Clubhouse, being willing to move over to another platform and see what happens. You you know, TikTok might be uncomfortable. You don't have to show up there, but give it a try.
2: I think what happened on Clubhouse, and it's a good metaphor for social media, I'll tell you why I was able to navigate myself pretty well before and after, right? Is that it's essentially a spotlight. And I started in theater. So you do your play for a month and then your play's over And then there's somebody else's play and then how they have the attention. And then like, it's just, you know, like, this is just the industry that I'm in. Yeah. You spotlight, you have the spotlight, you do the best when you have it, it goes away, it goes to somewhere else. And then you find a way to get back into the spotlight. Right. Like, it's just, that's the industry all the time. So when Clubhouse hit for me, obviously I had a lot of attention, but you know, I've always had a lot of attention. So there's a the shelf life, right? Yeah. I, And so I'm always like, okay, so where's the next spotlight? Where's the next thing going to go all the time? But there was a lot of people who I sensed were new to the spotlight and they didn't know what to do with it. And they didn't understand that you have a small window before the play is over. And I think I sensed pretty well, oh, in 10 minutes, the curtain's going to close. I need to start prepping for where's the next gig going to come from. And most people did not have that awareness. And so they would just do the exact same thing while their audience would go down by 10% and then 20% and 30%, and 4%. And you have some people are trying to do the same thing and they've lost 95% of their audience. And it's like you're a rat on a drowning ship and you don't even know it.
0: Mm-hmm. And now you're really great at promoting yourself. So you're great at talking about the things you've done and then also showing up on places like you said, like on Twitter and promoting your show. and How do you balance that? Because I hear that all the time from people is I don't want to promote myself. I don't want to talk about myself, talk about my accomplishments. They feel like they're being braggy and they don't want to share things that they might come across as spammy or annoying people. How do you find that balance?
2: I got over that when I was 19 years old (laughs) because I had to. I remember I was in a movie called The Mary Kay Letourneau Story, okay? And it was like, remember, there was like that teacher that slept with the 13 year old.
1: Oh my um, gosh.
2: big scam. Yeah. So I played the 13 year old's brother. And there's a scene with me and like him and Penelope and Miller. And like just made out with the teacher. I'm like, what's up with that? That's a teacher. <laughs> That's anyway, but it's funny because when I was still in school, I was in my graduating year at U of T over at Arendelle. And I was in a movie for the USA Network that was going to be on City TV that night. So for anyone who's not Canadian, that's, you know, like a pretty big television network. It's Toronto-based. And my movie was going to be on TV, so I was going to be on TV that night. And I was in like a theater history course or something, and I remember, like, I didn't want to tell people that I was on TV that night because I was in a theater program and I knew some people would get, you know, kind of jealous or upset or whatever. Right. But, you know, I remember my friend Allison Yutsi, who was like one of my best friends. And I was like, well, I'm on TV tonight. She's like, oh, my God, you should make an announcement to the class. I was like, oh, I know but I don't want. It. She's like, you have to or like nobody's going to watch it. And I'm like, hmm, I always remember that. Right. So then I, you know, I went to the teacher and I was like, hey, by the way, I'm in a movie. Oh, so they're like, oh, it's exciting. It's a theater program. So I did announce, hey, guys, just so you know, like I'm in a movie tonight. on whatever." I just said the thing. And there was a guy who was in the front row. be like, Oh, my God, this guy. Oh, you're in the movie. Oh, like anybody cares, right? Do I like that reaction? No, but it was one dude and a bunch of other people in the class were like, oh, my God, I'm watching that. Mm-hmm. Look, the reality is... There's always going to be that dude in the front row. who's going to be like, oh, you're in the movie, i will good for you. But if you don't make that announcement to the class, no one's going to know about your movie, and that means nobody can watch your movie. And for me, that is a metaphor for life and business and the entertainment industry.
0: Exactly. Oh, I love that story. That is so good. And it's interesting because we... We're so scared to be our own fan, to promote ourselves, to promote what we're doing. But if we can't do that, how can we expect other people to buy into it if we don't buy into ourselves, And so quite often, like I say to my team, you've got to go back to, again, knowing that you have great intentions, that you want to help people. And then, of course, you want people to know and learn and see the things you're doing because you know it's going to help them. It's going to benefit their life in some capacity. And actually, what I said to one of my team members once, and she loved it, as I said, what comes from the heart goes to the heart. So when you're genuinely sharing from your heart from a good place, that'll go to the majority of other people's hearts. So just that was reminding me of that. That's a great story. There's going to be that one person in the front row that's going to call you out. They're not going to like it. But
1: hey, and
2: that happens. That's not going to stop. And even like you were saying today, right? Somebody just messaged you. You're lame. Like, (laughs) It's just not lame, like, you know what But it is. And so if you don't have a thick enough skin to handle, you know, somebody in the front row being like, oh, look at you, must be nice, lame, lame, lame. If you can't handle that, get out of the spotlight because the brighter the spotlight gets, the hotter it is.
0: There's a girl that I know. She's also in Canada. She's got a big following, but she was posting yesterday. She talks a lot about being overweight and her journey. Her name is Alicia McCarville. I don't know if you know her. She's got, I think, about 5 million on TikTok and almost a million on Instagram. But she was saying that people always comment and say, go to the gym like you're overweight. But then when she posts things in the gym, they say, oh my God, why are you in the gym? You don't belong there. They make up your mind, people. They don't like whatever I do, whatever I post. And that's the thing when we are showing up on social media, we're opening ourselves up to a lot of unhappy people that are going to find something they don't like about our story or about us or about what we're doing because they're unhappy with themselves. And like you said, having that thick skin. And that comes, like you were saying, with time, with showing up repeatedly and just being like, okay, they're not talking about me. They're talking about themselves. Quite often, it's just a reflection of their own crummy situation that they're
2: going through. And I don't like it. And I wouldn't even say it's easy yeah right? But I'm used to it. And I do think that there's a certain amount of courage that's required to put yourself out there. I'm not a great hero, but I'm not going to let you stop me from succeeding because I'm afraid of you attacking me. I'm going to take your attack. And if you go too far, I will attack you back, but you will not stop me, right? There has to be that confidence and that aggression where it's like, I know who I am, and I am doing this for the right reasons. And I'm putting myself out there, whether you like it or not.
0: And quite often, I think too, when you focus on your why, you know, why am I showing up here? Ultimately, what is my ultimate target? Because it helps you to push through those days, push through those times. And for me, you know, people say like, oh, just ignore them. I struggle to ignore them. It does hurt my feelings sometimes. So I block them. I have no shame in that game. I bless them and block them. Hey, have a great day. Blocked. Not everybody deserves the capacity like to be in your space. And we are showing up on social media for free, giving a lot of us either an insight into our life or giving them some sort of value, entertaining them in some way. And if they don't like it, they don't need to be there. So yes, if it's mm-hmm. criticism you can take into account, yes, get a thick skin, but also if someone's really bothering you, block them, move on.
2: And what I found is that the less attention you pay to those people, the harder they'll try to get your attention. You know, there's the number of people that started rooms about me. <laughs> and at the beginning, I would take the bait. And then as it happened more and more, I realized, oh, they're just trying to get my attention. They're just trying to get me in the room because I have a lot of followers. And then if they can fight with me, then the room will grow. And Like, it's just about them. Yeah. So I'm not going to respond. And then... I think it frustrated them more and nothing bad ever really happened to me.
0: Mm -hmm. These things just kind of blow along. And again, if you're not doing anything awful, then they don't have a leg to stand on. Right. All right. Now, something that I talk about often, and I think you know this, is personal branding. And you've done that really well without setting out to build a personal brand. (laughs) So the brand of Bobby is, if people know me, is a little bit opinionated, doesn't care, shows up, he's confident, and you're an actor, you're a TV host but you also talk a lot about branding, marketing, social media indirectly as it relates to your story. Now, I love personal branding because it gives you so many opportunities. It opens so many doors. And like you were saying, you've been able to pivot so many times. And I would bet that a lot of that goes back to your personal brand and having that strong brand and people that want to follow you to different places And so I would love to hear your take on building a personal brand. If there's anything that you've learned or noticed over the years that somebody else would be able to learn from or take to implement in their own journey.
2: So look, I didn't know what a personal brand was until Clubhouse, but I was aware that I'd been building one for 20 years, right? Okay. Yeah. I was like, oh, but I think it's because I really, really know myself. It's a real benefit. You know, like you'll take acting classes and there's a thing called a hit where essentially it's the perception of your face in terms of character. Right. So some people and you'd be objective about yourself, right? Like, like you, like you're hit, you're sweet, you're professional. You'd be like the young mom, you'd be like the CEO, you know, <laughs> you'd be like the girl you want to invite to the prom, but you're afraid to ask.
1: Oh.
2: right? <laughs> Where, where me, I mean, now with this shirt where I'm like, oh, maybe he's a, I don't know, like a kind (laughs) rank (laughs) letter.
0: You look like a tech entrepreneur.
2: I don't know. But where I I was first starting, you know, it was like the gangster, the badass, the (laughs) hoodie on or what, you know, so I've always been aware of optics Mm -hmm. and the perception that's created about you. And really, that's what a personal brand is, right? It's kind of like, I know who I am. This is who I am. And I lean into who I am. And then I will use the different platforms to express who I am within their parameters. But it all starts with, I really, really, really know who I am. I'm really smart. I'm good at business. I'm terrible with women. That's my brand.
0: I love that you brought that up because I actually did a whole personal branding training like I think six months ago. And that is where I started it off was really figuring out who am I? Because a lot of us don't even know that. Who am I? Like, What am I passionate about? What's important to me? What excites me? You know, how would my friends and family members describe me? And so I love that you said that, figuring out who you are. And that's, I think too, where people struggle with social media is they don't know who they are. So they don't know what to really talk about or what to share. And so starting at that point and sitting down and just spending that time doing that work to figure out who you are. And that's
2: not easy. That's not easy. You know, I'm divorced. And that was really hard for me. And I did four and a half years in this really intense Meisner class where I put 20 hours a weekend where I cried for years and came to terms with every little part of who I am and childhood trauma and, you know, the good parts, the bad parts, all these things, right? Partly it was self-healing. Partly it was an acting class. Partly it was therapy. But partly it's just like I needed to know me. Who was I now because my identity was tied to another person and then that person was gone well what was left right and you know it's funny because you know I did some queer stuff during then so I've always been successful in my career but those four and a half years really stand out to me taking a larger view because there's never been a period in my entire life where I got to know myself better than those four and a half years and because of that since then i flourished because i really know me
0: wow i love that so what was the class
2: i can ask like oh robin k Pilarski in toronto it was very very intense class it's meisner meisner is like you're just repeating repeating like very innocuous words like we would go black shirt black shirt black shirt black shirt and then eventually it gets so tedious that the words black shirt mean nothing And what essentially it does is it breaks down your walls, and your true emotions and feelings will come out. Right, you'll see people like black shirt, black shirt, black shirt, black shirt, black shirt, black shirt. Some people start screaming, some people start crying, some people start like whatever it is that's inside you. Like eventually, your walls are gone, and so it's cool, right? Because you really get to know who people are, and then you can like work from there. Once your walls are gone, like even on Clubhouse, I mean, I fully publicly cried fifty different times on Clubhouse, and it wasn't like. Part of my brand. I'm a very emotionally open person, which I think also came across on Clubhouse, where, like, if I'm mad, like, I have a temper, you know, like I rein it in as best I can, but I definitely have moral indignation, right? And I'll get mad, right? Or, I'll get sad. I'll burst into tears. I yeah, have like, I'll be so happy that I'll sing a song. I think one of the first times that we became friends, I think I was like, Emily Lai. <laughs> like, like some kind of song randomly. But I was just like, I really like this person. And I just expressed it, you know, in the way that I did. But I think that there's power in revealing who you are mm-hmm. to the world, if you're willing.
0: You probably did sing to me. Did, yeah. <laughs> you know, you get nicknames for me. You're
1: yeah.
2: really
0: great at connecting with people and building those relationships and then, you know, finding ways to collaborate and leverage. And I think a lot of people miss out on that as well on social media, but really tapping into that. And a lot of the things you do are things that, you know, people pay thousands and thousands of dollars to learn from social media strategists. <laughs> oh
2: really? I don't know. Like It's even simpler than that. You know, it was like, I don't know. Like when I first met you, for example, I was like, I don't know, is she famous or something? I don't know. I don't know. I was it like, who I didn't know who you were, but I was like, oh my gosh, she loves followers. But I just didn't care because I like like literally in Hollywood now. Like does isn't, you know. I just liked you. I was like, she's like a quality person, you know? And then that since we become so close now, it's funny to me how many people will try to get to you through me. <laughs> <laughs> they know we're friends so they'll come with some scheme that like, i know if i can become friends with bobby then i can try to become friends with emily and it's like oh my god <laughs> just like it's not about that so for me the root is i love emily Emily's amazing like there's just people that I, you know and i don't care about anything beyond that so yeah. does it turn into collaborations like is this a collaboration i guess like opportunities here there but for me it's very simple yeah. it's make friends like really 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 make friends Mm -hmm. you know and i know that too from the film industry where i've just like 25 years i've been working professionally that's a long time and you learn things being in a field that long and it was amazing to me because the industry is like up and down up and down up and down every field is up and down especially entertainment though right because it's like things can change on a dime you could be the hottest actor writer director in the world on Monday and your career's over on Sunday, <laughs> you know like so you're always gonna have up periods and down periods. What was always amazing to me is that whenever I was on a down period, it was always someone who really cared about me and brought me back up. Mm-hmm. right So nobody wanted to hire me because I don't know, I said something unpopular, which shockingly happens, my friend who really like knows me and loves me for ten years is going to put me in her play because she knows I'm a good actor. She knows I work hard. And you know what? Maybe I could use the gig. And Mm -hmm. so what I really learned is the value of authentic, genuine relationships. And that's what's going to get you through all the rough patches in life.
0: hundred percent. And that's something that I've done for years in the business world. But one of the things you said is that you built these relationships just because you like people and you want to get to know people. And Mm. that's where we go wrong quite often is we reach out to people and right away we connect with them to ask for something. So I get that all the time. I'm sure the majority of people get this, where you get those LinkedIn requests right away they're trying to sell you something. Or, hey... You know, can I come on your podcast or can you come on my podcast because they want to use you? And so taking the time to just build relationships with no agenda and actually going into it with the idea of how can I help this person? How can I support them? What can I do for them? Because then you're going to actually build those relationships and everybody in some capacity you can help one another in some way. And it might be the smallest little way where you can support one another. That's where those opportunities come from. And again, coming from it at that place of genuinely wanting to help people. So, you know, when I talk to people, I say, reach out to people, connect with people, get on a call, build those relationships, support them however you can. But it's liking, commenting, sharing their posts, giving them good reviews, watching their shows, you know, subscribing to their podcasts and their shows and things like that. And then opportunities will come. But like you said, you never know where if you're an actor and you don't have a show, somebody might say, hey, I've got an opportunity for you.
2: Uh, and look, I have to give you this compliment, even though I compliment you all the time. I mean, again, like I edify you so much I came up with Amify. <laughs> but I'm so impressed by you as a human being, you know, because it's like you've got to figure it figured out. There's no one I met at Clubhouse, I don't think my whole life, but definitely not a Clubhouse who so genuine, grounded, practical, and correct. Everything you say works. Not as a trick. It's kind of like, it's like that old folk. I don't know you've got old folksy strat for wisdom, <laughs> whatever it is.
1: <laughs> oh, even if you're a juicy peach, I don't,
2: <laughs> <feel like laughs> I don't know what the hell it is or where it comes from. I think it's because we're both, you know, we've talked about this a lot, but underdogs, survivors. And yeah. that means you, it forces you to learn the things you need to learn to survive in the world and to thrive, right? Yeah. But you better than anyone that I've ever met is just so good at finding a way. And I just respect you so much, Em. I just
1: wanted to tell you that.
0: There's always a way. You know, there's always a way. Pivot and use those things to inspire you and push you forward. All right. Well, Bobby, where can everybody find the Daily Drop? Where can they follow you? Share the links. I'm going to put them all in the description when I put up the video for this and all that good stuff. But where can they find you?
2: Yes, well look, on a theme, probably the smartest thing to do is to follow me on social media because I post links to everything I do on all of my social media. So on Twitter it's at Bobman. I'm very active there, especially with crypto news. Instagram is at Bobby Del Rio, uh, and then LinkedIn is my name, and then Facebook is my name. Although Facebook now I'm a little more a little more private than I was, just because the number of people who have tried to manipulate me, since I blew up on Clubhouse uh, is definitely somewhat astronomical. So I'm definitely more protective of my space than I was before.
0: All right. Well, there you go. And check out the Daily Drop. You can find it on YouTube and make sure you subscribe and give him lots of love on all his platforms. Bobby, thank you so much for being here today. This was wonderful.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you're watching this on the replay, make sure that you go and give Bobby all that love and I will see you very soon.